All right, it is good to see you all here tonight. And uh, if you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. A lot of times when you deal with a topic like repentance or something like that, what you get are, are cute little definitions that people write up and then they give you a philosophy about that subject. And, you know, philosophy is good. You know, you need a philosophy of education. We need a philosophy of missions, philosophy of preaching, the way that we approach these things. It's important that we have a philosophy. But our philosophy has to be based on the Scripture. Amen? So what I wanted to do was uh, the, the first thought that I had on this was the life of Peter. Because Peter is an example of one that started rough but ended up right. And so let's look at this. This is Matthew chapter 26, and let's start reading in verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. Now I'll tell you something that I learned Saturday. I was doing some final preparation for the... Or this is Friday. So I was doing the final preparation Friday in the morning to do this message, to, to preach this on Saturday. And so I was looking at the parallel passages. Parallel passages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four different Gospels, many times the stories are in each of the Gospels. And so if it was in Matthew, it's also in John. So that's a parallel passage. Well, I was looking at the parallel passage in John, and you know what I found out? Now, how many of you have heard this story before of Peter denying Christ? Well, me too. I've heard it all my life. Listen to what I learned that was so interesting. John had sent the girl to get Peter. How many of you didn't know that? Did you raise your hand? Let's look at it. John 18. We'll come back to Matthew, but John 18. Look at verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. So when John is writing about himself, he doesn't mention himself, but, but that's who he's speaking of. And, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then the damsel that kept the door uh, then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? John had sent her. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something and thought no one saw it and then found out they did? That ever happened to you? That's what's going on with Peter here. And that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of it is, let's go back to Matthew Let's look at verse 69 again. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by 
and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them. Surely thou art also one of them. For thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to understand repentance. Lord, I'm sure many of us have heard a lot about repentance, others not at all. So, Father, help us have a biblical understanding of this important subject. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want you to know about this passage, in one of the other parallel passages, when John denies Jesus the third time and the cock crows, Jesus looks right at him and he looks at Jesus. And he knew what was going on and he went out and wept bitterly. My first point is this, repentance and sorrow. Here you have Peter. He has denied his Savior. And he goes out and weeps bitterly. But is this repentance? Have you ever gotten caught? And you were really sorry that you got caught? I was in sixth grade. And it was against the law to have firecrackers in Connecticut. Well, a buddy of mine had gone somewhere, and I gave him money, and he got me a brick of firecrackers. So here I am, you know, I'm a genius, and I put a bunch of them in my back pockets and go to school. (laughs) So I'm doing something. I lean up over my desk like this to do something, and teacher's walking behind me. She reaches in my pocket, grabs it, and says, Mr. Alter, what's this? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So here I get sent to the principal's or sent to the, the school office. And here's what I hear, the, the school secretary. I'm sitting in a chair up against the wall, feeling like an idiot. And then here's what I hear. Reverend Alter, can you come pick up your son? I was suspended from school. Can I tell you something? I was really sorry I got caught. I was really sorry I got caught. But you know what? I've never repented of firecrackers. I love blowing stuff up. I was sorry that I got caught. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That is not repentance. You ever seen a politician crying and lying? That's not repentance. Crying is not always repentance. Do you know what Peter's mistake was? Peter's mistake was not denying Christ. Here's what, let's, let's find out. Now, many times the explanation of Peter's mistake is found in verse, is identified in verse uh, 33. So look at verse 33, Matthew 26, 33. I'm going to read verse 33 and then let's jump down to verse 35. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, Yet will I never be offended. Then look at verse 35. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Okay, now, here's the the issue. What one commentator that I was looking at on this passage said, Well, this shows you, let me read it exactly. This shows you the danger of pride. The danger of pride. Is that what Peter's problem was? Well, maybe that was part of it. Here's what another commentator said. Uh, It was simply the weakness of human resolution. 
This demonstrates the weakness of human resolution. How many of you have ever said, I'm never going to do whatever, and then you did it again? Well, our resolutions can be weak. New Year's resolutions usually last about 30 seconds. Right? We've all made resolutions of things that we're going to do. I'm not going to speak to my wife that way again. I'm not going to get mad about this again. Uh, Whatever it is, Laura could say, I'm not going to back into the garage door again. (laughs) See, there's all kinds of things that we could say we're never going to do again. And our resolutions many times are weak. And that is part of Peter's problem here, but that's not the main problem. But it's always the problem that the commentators talk about. And this is this identifies the problem in Christianity. They completely misunderstand repentance. Completely misunderstand repentance. Here's what the problem was. Look at verse 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. Right, I want you to mark this in your Bible. For it is written. Would you mark that? For it is written. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. This is Zechariah 13.7. Jesus Christ is quoting Zechariah 13.7. Now, Zechariah 13.7 says that the, sheep will be, the shepherd will be smitten. And the flock will be scattered. So did Jesus Christ, was Jesus Christ smitten? Yeah. And did the flock scatter? Do you know what Peter's mistake was? He believed the Bible was true. He believed God's word was true. Just not about him. And it wasn't only Peter that believed that. Look at verse 35. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. See, here's what the disciples believed. They believed the Bible. They just didn't believe what it said. They believed it was true, but not about them personally. There's a theological term for this. Those of you who have had extensive theological training will immediately understand this. This is called yeah, but theology. That's when you tell somebody something from the Word of God that is absolutely true. It's from the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. It is just as sure as the rising of the sun or the setting of the sun. And they say, yeah, but you don't understand. And what you want to say to them, oh, if God had only known you, He probably wouldn't have written that in the Bible. Because you are the one exception to God's inspired Word. And that's the problem that Peter had. God told him, you will deny me. And you know what Peter should have said? Lord, help me. Show me how not to deny you. But he didn't do that. He denied the word of God before he denied his Savior. He denied the word of God in the good times. And then he denied the Savior in the bad times. Do you want to know when you're going to deny the Savior? After you've denied the word of God. See, the Bible applies to us as much as it applies to anyone else. And we who teach and preach the word of God, we who are involved in discipleship or Sunday school teachers, we who communicate the word of God, it applies to us just as much as it applies to the people that we're speaking about. 
That's something that's so important for us to see. Repentance and sorrow. Repentance includes sorrow, but sorrow does not always include repentance. Peter did not repent here. Repentance and sorrow. Now, let me, let's talk about repentance and salvation a little bit. Go to Acts chapter 20. We're going to go away from the life of Peter for a minute while we talk about this. Um, I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it here at our church because you've, I don't think you've ever heard the error. But there is, um, there's kind of a debate in Christianity on repentance. You have um, John MacArthur wrote a book called The Gospel According to Jesus. And in that book, he kind of took salvation, uh, I believe, a step too far in repentance. The idea, what he did was he looked at all the verses of the disciples following Jesus and he applied those verses to salvation. Now, the reason he did that, he, that was a reaction. You know, uh, what happens is you've got that pendulum that swings. And you had this group that was, it, all they were trying to do is get people to pray a prayer. Just say this prayer and you'll go to heaven. Well, you do confess with your mouth, right? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. But what's next? And believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So it is a confession of the mouth, and getting people to pray a prayer is significant. Amen? You ought to ask Jesus to save you. You've got to believe Him. Confess with your mouth. But you have to believe in your heart. So the controversy is you have these people, that it's called easy believism. And then over here, some people call it quick prayerism. Uh, there was a, when I was preaching for Jim Mayles, there was a guy that had come from England not long before, a preacher in England, he pastored in London, and he took a train. And he said he had led 35 people to the Lord on the train from England to Scotland. He said, what do you think about that? Brother Males asked me that. And I said, I think he's a liar. You know, you can get people, if you badger someone enough, they'll pray a prayer just to get you to leave them alone. But to have genuine repentance... That is understanding who Jesus Christ is and understanding who you are. Let's look at Acts 20 and look at verse 21, and this will explain it. The Bible says, Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Repentance toward God and faith toward Christ. Repentance toward God because, un, remember what David said. He, he, he went to the Father after his sin and he said, Only against you have I sinned, O God. Our sin, every sin is a violation and an affront to a righteous and holy God. Amen? And the reason that Jesus Christ came was to be the only all-sufficient sacrifice for our sin. So we have repentance toward God. That is to agree with the word of God, to agree with what God says in his word about our sin. That's what repentance is. God, you're right. I'm changing my mind about my sin. It is bad enough to take me to hell. And I'm acknowledging Jesus Christ. I'm, I am practicing faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God. And faith toward Christ. That's what salvation is. Amen? Amen? And here's the deal. How many of you know someone that prayed a prayer, claiming to be saved, and you never see him again, 
There's no interest in spiritual things. You know anybody that's like that? Now, I'm not God. Don't be shocked. It's true. I'm not God. But a lot of those people aren't saved. That's why we have to be very careful in our gospel presentation that they understand that this is a life and death issue. That repentance is a change of mind about your sin and the Savior that results in a changed life. Anybody here get your changed after you got saved? Amen. We used to sing a song on the bus route. There's been a great change since I've been born again. If there's not a great change, maybe you're not born again. Amen. Amen. All right. So that's repentance and salvation. Listen to what Spurgeon said. He wrote a book called The Soul Winner. He said, together with undivided faith in Jesus Christ, there must also be unfeigned repentance of sin. Repentance is an old-fashioned word, not used, not much used by modern revivalists. Oh, said a minister to me in one day, he said, it only means a change of mind. What's interesting, this argument, it was between a guy named Curtis Hudson and John MacArthur, and then Charles Ryrie, some of you use the Ryrie Study Bible, he wrote a book on it called So Great Salvation. A guy named Zane Hodges wrote another book called Absolutely Free, and all this stuff's flying back and forth. And that's in the 80s. And it's so funny that Spurgeon had the same argument a hundred years before. Nothing new under the sun. So a minister said to him, it only means a change of mind. This was thought to be a profound observation. Only a change of mind, but what a change. A change of mind with regard to everything. Instead of saying it's only a change of mind, it seems to me more truthful to say it is a great and deep change, even a change of the mind itself. But whatever the literal Greek word may mean, repentance is no trifle. You will not find a better definition of it than the one given in the children's hymn. Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before and show that we in earnest grieve by doing so no more. Amen? Amen. So that's repentance and salvation. So we saw repentance and sorrow, repentance and salvation. And now we have repentance and sanctification. Go to the book of Galatians. Repentance and sanctification. Um, It's too warm in here. Can we get the air conditioning turned down? Galatians chapter 2. Here's some people grumbling when I said, turn the air conditioning down. Now, look, it's one of two things. Either I'm boring or you're hot. So we know which one it's got to be. Galatians 2. <laughs> look at verse 11. Sanctification. Someone tell me, uh, uh, what is sanctification? What, what word do we usually use for sanctification? Separated, set apart. That's right. And it's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit sets us apart for God's work, right? Okay, so let's look at this. Galatians 2. Now, does Galatians come before or after Acts? After. Look at this. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew himself, or he withdrew and separated himself, 
fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So here's what's going on. There, there was a controversy about whether or not Jews should eat with Gentiles. That, 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 that was a problem. And that goes back to Matthew chapter 10. Do you remember Jesus told his disciples as he's sending them out, go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. That's what he told them to do. And he said, don't go, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. Well, now Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's told them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He's told them, but you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. He's told them to go, but there's still a problem. Now, you would think that maybe Peter is just confused. Well, the problem is Peter, Jesus Christ came to Peter after his resurrection. He told him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And he drew him back to himself. And then he had Peter preach the message at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell with power. But then when we get to Acts chapter 10, Peter, he has this vision where God comes to him in a vision. And he has a sheet come down from heaven full of meat that Jews weren't supposed to eat. And he says, eat it. And Peter said, no. No one in the Bible says no to God more than Peter. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He says, no. I, he says, that's never entered into my mouth. And he said, no, you need to do this because you're going to be in the house of Cornelius and some Gentiles are going to come to you and I want you to preach the gospel to them. So Peter eats the meat. And he preaches the gospel to the Gentiles. And God demonstrates that this was supposed to happen by the Holy Spirit falling on those Gentiles. And then those Gentiles spoke in tongues. Why? Because in chapter 11, the Jews from Jerusalem are mad that Peter was eating and preaching to the Gentiles. And God had given the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues as a sign to the Jews in Jerusalem that the Gentiles can receive the Holy Spirit also. Isn't that awesome? God, here, now here's the deal. Don't miss this. God had spoken to Peter again audibly. And here he is messing up again. About the subject that God had spoken to him audibly. He told him what... The voice of, how many of you ever wanted to hear the voice of God? You're in a situation, God, t please tell me what to do. Uh, do you know why he doesn't? Because you'll mess it up. That's why he gave you the Bible. And so now the apostle Paul has to withstand him to his face. He has to tell him, you were wrong. Not only did he tell him he was wrong, he wrote it down in a letter and sent it to all the churches in Galatia. And then God inspired it and preserved it. And now we have it 2,000 years later that Paul had to withstand Peter to his face. And yet we still get upset when the preacher confronts us with our error. Isn't that interesting? Now, what was, Paul's, what was Peter's sin here? Not eating with the Jews? That's not his first sin. Look at verse 14. 
But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? He confronted him because he had denied the truth of the gospel. Are you starting to get an idea of what repentance is? Here, let's, let's keep going. That's repentance and sanctification. Look at repentance and service. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. Now notice, this is proud Peter. But now this is later in life. He's not saying, I the apostle, Peter. I the voice from God. He's certainly not calling himself the Pope. Amen? Look at what he says. The elders or the pastors which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Those two things that are identified in verse 1, a witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, these are the two defining episodes in Peter's life. And that information is given to us over and over again in First and Second Peter. He was a witness of the crucifixion of Christ, and that's where he denied him. And he was a witness of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. He saw it. But now look at what he says. Verse 2, Feed the flock of God, which is among you. Want to know what's wonderful? Peter got it. Peter got it. Do you remember what Jesus Christ said to him when he came to him? He said, Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. What is repetition in the Bible? Do you think God wanted Peter to get the point? Feed the sheep. And what do you think he wanted him to feed? He wanted to feed him. The Word of God. And then... Here's how we know Peter really got it. He repeats the words of Jesus. And then look at verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. See what Peter understood? He understood from Jesus Christ coming to him after his denial that he needed to feed the sheep. And he understood after the Apostle Paul confronting him with the Word of God that he needed to be an example to the flock. The preacher can't only preach. The preacher's got to live it. This is, this is repentance. This is repentance. It is hearing the Word of God, confessing your sin, and changing your life to agree with the Word of God. That's repentance and sanctification. Now let's look at repentance in Scripture. Look at 2 Peter. 
2 Peter chapter 1. Now look at what he's saying here. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in present truth. Why is he reiterating these things? They knew him. Because he knew it, and he still messed up. All right? Now look at verse 13. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Do you remember what Jesus told him? He said, Peter, when you're old, they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And you're going to die. That's what Jesus told him. So Jesus had shown him that he wasn't going to live much longer because he's already old. And he says, I'm getting ready to put off this body. I'm going to go to heaven, but there's something that I want you to know before I go. I'm going to stir up your remembrance about the things I've already taught you, but there's something really important for you to get. Verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So here's Peter, remember? He's up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus Christ is transfigured before him, and he shows them his glory. Now, he didn't show them all of his glory. If he did, he would have killed them. And it couldn't have been the glory that he had before, because in John 17, he says, And now, Father, restore to me the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He had laid that glory aside. But he he was transfigured, and they saw the glory that people will see when he returns. And Peter messed it up. God spoke and he said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Do you know why God said that? Because after Peter got up off the floor, Moses and Elijah are there. And Peter says, let's build three tabernacles. One for each of you. Well, one mistake that he made there was Jesus Christ is an unequal footing with anybody. Amen. Amen. The other mistake was that in the previous passage, the last thing Jesus Christ had told him is some of you in this generation will not pass away until you see the king coming in his glory. He thought he was establishing his kingdom, Feast of Tabernacles. Let's build three tabernacles. He thought Jesus was getting ready to rule and reign for a thousand years. Do you know what Peter's mistake was? He heard the audible voice of God but he heard it through the filter of his own agenda. Do you know what we do? We hear preaching and we read the Bible and we filter it through our own agenda. Peter wanted Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom. But Jesus Christ had told Peter and all of the disciples that he was going to die, that they weren't going to receive him. And what did Peter say? Be it not so, Lord. No, I don't accept that. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Do you understand what Peter was saying? If Jesus Christ had listened to Peter, none of us would be saved. Peter kept saying no to Jesus. 
No to God. No to Jesus. Why did he deny Christ? Because he had heard the voice of God. Why did God say, this is my beloved son, hear him? Because Peter was talking. Peter, be quiet, listen to Jesus. And he still messed it up. That's why. The next verse says, verse 19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn. And the day star arise in your heart. Now look, what he's saying, and you've heard this a thousand times at Grace Baptist Church, that the written word of God is more sure than the audible voice of God. Why? Because of the next verse. Knowing this first, that no prophecy, what's it say here? Of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You want to know why Peter wrote that? Well, first of all, because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But do you know why God had him write it? Because Peter's the one that heard the audible voice of God and gave it a private interpretation, and it almost ruined his life. Do you know what Peter did? Peter repented. He changed the way he looked at Scripture. He changed the way that he responded to the voice of God. He submitted to the Word of God, and God used him greatly. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is hearing the Word of God, believing the Word of God, confessing your sin to Him. Confession is agreeing with God about what He says about you and your sin. You confess that to Him, and then you allow the Holy Spirit to conform you to the image of His Son. That is what repentance is. Repentance and sorrow. Repentance includes sorrow, but sorrow doesn't always include repentance. Repentance and salvation. There's got to come a point in your life where you realize that your sin is bad enough to take you to hell. You repent toward God. You tell God, I know that my sin, if my sin only was the only sin in the world, that would have taken Jesus to the cross. Then you have faith that Jesus Christ's sacrifice, His death, burial, and resurrection was enough to save you. That's repentance and salvation. Repentance and sanctification is after you're saved. When you're confronted with the Word of God, you respond properly to that confrontation and you align your life with the Word of God. Repentance and service is that God's work has to be done God's way. God's told us how to do it. Feed the flock of God and be an example. So what are you supposed to do as a believer? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be teaching someone the Word of God and you're supposed to be living the Word of God. If you were reproduced right now, what kind of Christian would that be? We need to repent. And then repentance and Scripture. That's when we understand that this is our only guide for faith and practice. We are immersed in it. We're believing it. And we understand that this is more important, that this is more true, more sure than the audible voice of God. That is the kind of repentance that makes a difference. Let me ask you a question. Is there anyone here and you have repented before? Maybe at at an altar or maybe in your seat. Maybe sometime in your own Bible reading. Maybe listening to someone on the radio. But you repented of something. But there was no change. That ever happened? If that's happened to you, would you raise your hand? 
Here's the thing. That wasn't repentance. That wasn't repentance. It might have been remorse. It might have been good intentions. It might have been all of those things the Apostle Paul exhibited. I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter exhibited. But it wasn't repentance. It wasn't repentance. Folks, we got to stop playing games. I'm not just preaching this message because it was easy and I, and I did it at the men's retreat. We need to align ourselves with the Word of God. Is there anything right now in your life that you know is not being conformed to the Word of God? That you know it's not right. And you need to repent. You don't repent toward me. You don't repent toward anyone else. Because you've got to repent toward God. And then believe. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But repentance is when you go and you don't do it anymore. You don't do it anymore. That's repentance. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us.